Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is John Worthington. I'm a consultant with Legal One and New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. This episode is part of a 12-part series addressing school reopening and the law. Today, we are discussing compensatory services and providing ongoing support for students with disabilities in light of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on these students. While situations can arise at any time that will cause a school district to provide compensatory services to students with disabilities based on the denial of a free, appropriate public education, or FAPE, the pandemic has created a unique situation that will likely necessitate provision of compensatory services on a scope never seen before. Today I have with me Susan Green, SEPTA President in Ocean Township School District in Monmouth County. Welcome, Susan. Good afternoon, and thank you for the opportunity for me to join you this afternoon. So today I'm going to begin with a brief overview of the law with regard to compensatory services. Compensatory services have always been available for students with disabilities if a FAPE or free appropriate public education is not provided to the student. These services can include instruction, related services, and transition services for these students. This determination of what, if anything, to provide to a student with a disability is made by the IEP team, except in certain situations, they can be made through a complaint investigation filed with the New Jersey Department of Education, or in a due process proceeding as ordered by a judge when a request for compensatory services has been made. A judge or the state can order that an IEP team determine what compensatory services to provide, or more typically order specific services or instruction be provided based on a denial of faith. With regard to the COVID-19 pandemic, the situation with respect to compensatory services has changed a little. While the legal standard for determining whether compensatory services are owed remains the same, was the student denied a FAPE, in the context of the pandemic, there are a couple other factors that have to at least be considered. First would be the guidance from the U.S. Department of Education and the New Jersey Department of Education with regard to how districts were to serve students with disabilities and all students during the pandemic. The standard for serving students was that they should be provided services to the greatest extent possible. So districts were required to implement IEPs to the greatest extent possible, considering how schools were operating during the pandemic. This extra factor will have to be something that is considered when determining the need for compensatory services based on how students were educated during the pandemic. 
As far as issues concerning compensatory services, they certainly can be litigated in mediation or a due process hearing, and those issues can be raised for a two-year time period. So even though claims might be arising based on what occurred during the pandemic, there will be two additional years where people can file for a due process hearing and then litigate those issues, meaning that all issues concerning the pandemic and compensatory services may not be resolved for two to three more years following the pandemic. And that's assuming schools open in person in the fall and things go as planned. Now, with regard to case law and compensatory services, I do want to note I've looked at some case law, and it appears at least some of the judges are looking at the greatest extent possible standard when assessing requests for compensatory services. And I do want to note the case law is limited, so this is a small sampling, but they have considered the standard that is in place when assessing requests for compensatory services and assessed whether or not a FAPE was denied in that context. Courts have also paid close attention to district interactions with parents, responsiveness to concerns brought up by parents, and how well they reacted and served students with disabilities during the pandemic. As far as how cases will be assessed going forward, it's something we're going to have to watch, but generally, the, in the context of the pandemic, some of the standards for how schools are operated and the guidance that was provided appears to be factors that will be considered. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the New Jersey Department of Education guidance with respect to compensatory services. On March 3rd, 2021, the state issued guidance addressing provision of compensatory services for students with disabilities. Initially, they noted that any such claims are gonna be decided based on a denial of a FAPE or a free appropriate public education. A couple of important points that they made in the guidance though, were that one, services need not be provided on a one-to-one -one ratio, meaning that every hour of instruction that may have been missed doesn't necessarily have to be made up. Every hour of related services that was missed doesn't necessarily have to be made up. It can be that way, but there is no requirement that it be determined based on solely on hours of services lost. And the state also emphasized in its guidance that these will be IEP team determinations. And remember, parents are part of the IEP team. So the district personnel and the parents would meet and make a determination as to whether compensatory services are owed to a student with disabilities based on how they were educated since the pandemic began in, in March of 2020. The state also noted that if a determination is made to provide compensatory services, this should be noted in a document. It can either be the IEP or in an additional document, such as an addendum to the IEP. The important thing to note here is that districts have to be careful to actually document those compensatory services they determine are appropriate as the IEP team determines are appropriate for a student with disabilities. So if it's going to be documented in an IEP, the district has to be careful to note the current program separately from the compensatory services that will be provided and also list the frequency, location and duration of those compensatory services. So it's clear what will be provided and how they will be provided. And finally, the guidance does note that mediation and due process are procedural protections that are available if there are disagreements with regard to the provision of compensatory services. Now, a couple of questions that come up when looking at these issues. The first one would be the standard for determining whether a student with a disability is entitled to compensatory services. 
as I noted, the traditional analysis through case law is that you assess whether or not the student was provided a FAPE or a free appropriate public education. The more interesting part, which has only, again, been impacted in a little bit of case law so far, is how courts will assess the guidance for operating schools during the pandemic in conjunction with this FAPE standard and make determinations as to what compensatory services are owed. This is something we'll have to keep an eye on going forward and see how courts look at the issue with respect to the time period during the pandemic. And that leads me to a second question is how does the COVID-19 pandemic, how has it altered the standard based on the unique way schools have operated since March of 2020? And I believe the way the standard has been altered is courts likely will continue to look at this issue in the context of how students were served in accordance with state guidance. And that continues right through this summer. There's still the guidance that was in place for this school year continues through the extended school year period this summer. And then in September, the governor has indicated schools will open fully in person, and we will have to await further guidance as for exactly how schools will operate and whether there will be exceptions to how things are done or unique ways of operation still permitted. So that is something that we're going to have to assess going forward. What should districts be doing to address ongoing needs of students with disabilities during the summer of 2021 and in the 2021-22 school year? I think this is very important. Both last summer and this summer, guidance stressed that districts should be very inclusive and broad in the scope of the students they serve during their summer programming, whether it's extended school year or additional services, summer enrichment, whatever the program might be, districts want to look to be as expansive as they can be in the numbers of students they serve and the amount of services that they provide. The more services provided during breaks from the school calendar, the less likely a student is going to require compensatory services. And this will be beneficial both for the student and for the district because it might help avoid any potential mediation due process complaints being filed. So it will have a significant benefit going forward. And so that's an important point to keep in mind. As far as guidance for school districts with respect to working with parents to address learning loss, ongoing services, and the issue of compensatory services, I would stress again, districts really want to think comprehensively, broadly about serving as many students as they can, providing as many services, whether it's additional instruction, additional related services, additional transition services, look at every student, look at how they were served during the pandemic, how they continue to be served, and really be proactive in determining additional services, look where there was loss, a failure perhaps to achieve goals, to make the progress you were expecting, and try to address those areas proactively as opposed to waiting to see whether a claim for compensatory services might be filed. And one additional thing I wanted to add before I get into a, a couple questions for Susan, one further point I want to make, I want to note that on June 16th, the governor signed S3434, which is Public Law 2021, Chapter 109. This law provides that for students turning 21 and aging out of eligibility for special education this school year, next school year, and the following school year would be entitled, if determined by the parent and the IEP team that they require them, to additional or compensatory services into the next school year when they would turn age 22. 
In each case, this will be a determination made by the parent and the IEP team as to whether services are required for the student, and if so, what services should be provided. It could be a variety of things. It could be additional instruction, related services, additional transition, which is often what students are primarily receiving when they're age 21. And that would be determined again by the parent and the IEP team each year for those students. And then they would be served in accordance with that determination in the 2021-2022 school year and then in the subsequent two school years as each determination is made. I also want to note quickly the governor, when he signed the law, specifically noted that this law is going to be funded by stimulus money and by the state. He mentioned the number $600 million that the state has allocated for this implementation of this law. And he mentioned that it could impact over three years approximately 8,700 students who will be turning 21 years of age in each of the next three years. So this law will have a significant impact on compensatory services because it basically takes one group of students and provides for additional compensatory services for those students as determined necessary and appropriate by parents in the IEP team. So it's a significant law that's been enacted in New Jersey. And now I want to turn to a couple questions for you, Susan, to get your perspective on these issues. Initially, can you tell us how are parents looking at the issue of missed instruction and services and the need for additional or compensatory services? Well, I think there's two factions here, so to say. I believe that there are a group of parents that are unaware of compensatory services to begin with. And the ones that are aware of compensatory services, some of them are using traditional benchmarks to gauge whether or not their children have regressed. In the younger children who were maybe not so complex, it's apparent if they are. So it's kind of easy to make that determination. However, in the more complex children with multiple comorbidities, that's not necessarily the case. And it's not clear because it's so subjective what would constitute a regression or not. So the only common thread I can kind of share with these two, this younger group and this older group, is what constitutes regression. And that's a very interesting question. The other thing I would want to reply to in terms of this question is that the older children, like, like my child, our clock is running out, so to say, um, in the school district. So my personal answer would be different than it would be when my child was younger, when we might even have more time to mix something up, depending upon what it is that we're working on or what, what the primary regression would be. But I'm really concerned about the fact that I don't know for a fact that these school districts are communicating with parents. You know, I, I think parents were, were overwhelmed working, you know, with now things are changing a little bit. Their kids are getting back to some normalcy. But, you know, they're just exhausted. And, and if, if you're either you're in that group of a, we know or we don't know. And I'm very concerned for the we don't know, the different language folks who might not have access, easier access to services. So, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Well, thank you, Susan. Some uh, excellent points you make, uh, especially your point about the age of the students. I think that will be a big factor when determining the need of compensatory services. Now, do you believe that parents will be inclined to seek every hour of instruction and related services that were missed during the pandemic? Or are they seeking ongoing additional services only to the extent that adequate progress was not made? I think that depends who you ask. If um, you have parents who 
have a contentious relationship with administration and their child study teams, then I'm going to probably go out on a limb and say they, they want everything that was in that IEP, no matter what, what if any regression, this is what my child's entitled to, I expect it to be followed to the letter of the law. But I think that there are, I personally think there are majority are, are more reasonable, are more understanding. They too lived through this pandemic and as long as their child is getting what they need, I, I think they will not um, request 100% restitution. They just may just want to be compensated for um, get services and what the child, the perception or what they can gauge, you know, with documentation, what the child lost during the, um, t the time that they were out of the school building. Now, how would you suggest or advise parents to prepare to work with school districts to address learning loss, compensatory services, and the need for ongoing supports and services? Well, first, I would hope the state would send out something to the parents directly, independent, or to the school districts, a little guide. I don't. I think the terminology is confusing. People don't know what compensatory services are, what's missed instruction, what occurred during virtual learning rather than in person. So I, I think the playing field needs to be leveled. Definitions need to be established. So it's it's a very confusing time for people right now. And I think the state, it would be beneficial for them to send out guidance in the form of resources the parents could look on their own, and then just simple definitions of terms being used that are going to be used as criteria to determine whether services are necessary or not. So assuming that the parent knows this is available, I would suggest they would reach out to their child's teacher for input, the case manager for input, and of course, you're your child's best advocate. If you see something um, or feel something, you need to relay that to the child study team and work together to move forward. Thank you. And um, I have an additional question. I was just wondering, what is your impression from interacting with parents? Are they availing themselves of the additional summer programming being offered? In addition to extended school year services, a lot of districts are offering other programs, summer enrichment and additional services. Are parents taking advantage of those services for the students with disabilities? I'm going to guess no. And, and I don't think in our district, the programs that are offered are arts, dance. A lot of our children can't participate or the perception is they can't. I don't know if the child study teams are promoting them for the children with disabilities, but for example, there was no social skills programs offered to the parents in our district. So that's the other aspect of this. A lot of parents, and on a good day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe COVID out, don't know that their child, children can participate in after school programs, even if they need assistance. And a lot of parents still don't know a lot of these things. So I would ex expect that during COVID and, and anything that's offered extra, they're not going to have any idea that they would be eligible for that as well. Thank you. So I think one major takeaway from this, parents really do need as much information as possible about available programming and services um, for their students with disabilities. Thank you, Susan, for joining us today. We really appreciate having the parent perspective on these podcasts, and we really appreciate the collaboration with NJPTA. And thank you, John, for hosting this. It's important that parents have a voice, and we appreciate you hearing what we have to say and moving forward, getting the best for our children. That's what this is all about.
Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you require additional information on the topics we've covered today, you can look to the Legal One website at www.njpsa.org slash Legal One NJ. And also you can go to the NJPTA website at www.njpta.org. And again, thank you for joining us today. Stay safe, be well, and we will look forward to seeing you at our next podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.